Last week, Joseph did a sermon to kick off our Bible reading. And I want to stop there and say that I am really enjoying the Bible reading. I hope you are too. And right now, we're in a pretty familiar area of the Bible. A lot of us have heard these stories in Genesis. But it's still just amazing to me the things that I'm writing in my, in my journal, uh, things that I'm learning, things that I didn't remember. Uh, if you're like me, it's pretty eye-opening that, man, this book has so much stuff in it that we need to continue pouring into and pouring our time and energy into. And it's also helping me that it's pretty much constantly on my mind throughout the days because uh, you're thinking about getting to your Bible reading and what's coming up next, what has already happened, and how it's all piecing together. And I'll reiterate something Joseph has said, that it's really difficult to decide what we're going to preach about, because there's so much meat in these uh, Bible readings, and it's such a wide range of scriptures. And last week, Joseph talked about Cain and Abel on Sunday night, and the title of his sermon was A Tale of Two Brothers. And you may not have even known the title of his sermon. But tonight I want to talk about Jacob and Esau. And I decided to title it, A Tale of Two More Brothers. And and these kind of build on each other. Uh, Cain and Abel is only the first sibling rivalry. Of course, Cain and Abel is not the only sibling rivalry that we read about in Scripture. Uh, Feuding brothers is a really recurring theme in especially the book of Genesis. You think about it. Cain and Abel uh, in chapter 4 of Genesis. Uh, Then the relationship we'll talk about tonight in chapters 25 through 36. So it covers a pretty wide range. We're not going to cover all of that. But then as this sibling rivalry is kind of completed in Scripture, then a whole other sibling rivalry, you may remember, of Joseph and his brothers. And it's all these relationships between brothers. It's a very common theme in the Old Testament. Uh, sibling conflict is not only a common thing in Scripture, but a common thing in life. Uh, I don't want to ask a show of hands who's had a conflict with a sibling. Uh, I know I have. Me and my sister have uh, feuded in our lives from little to now. We sometimes fight. That's part of being brother and sister. And your relationship with your sibling is extremely foundational to your life. If you think about it, Siblings are the first people that you explore what it means to to have friendship in your life. Because they're the first people about the same age as you that you spend a lot of time with when you're young. And so because of that, siblings are typically the longest lasting relationship that you will have in your life. As far as concurrent years from the time it starts to the time it ends. So siblings are really important. And so turn to Genesis chapter 25, and we're going we're gonna to read about a sibling rivalry, uh, another sibling rivalry, as I said. Genesis chapter 25, let's look at verses 21 through 23. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah his wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, 
and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now we learn a lot about these two men in these verses, just from their birth. The first thing that we learn is that there's some foreshadowing here about the relationship between Jacob and Esau. In the last couple of weeks, uh, since uh, me and Allison, of course, are expecting our first son, and in the last few weeks, we got interested. Uh, Since it's a little boy, we decided we were going to get out the home videos from my parents. So we borrowed some home videos from my parents and brought them home, hooked up the old VCR, going way back, right? And uh, I had to figure out how to hook it into my new TV because it's not as simple as you would think. Uh, because of the new ones don't necessarily hook up to a VCR. And we started watching these old home videos. And one thing that's amazing is when you watch me and you watch my sister, we hadn't changed a whole lot from when we were really little kids. And I just thought that was so crazy because our personalities from the very beginning of our life was already standing out to us in these home videos. And you could probably do that with your home videos as well if you have any. And so in these verses when we read about these things that are happening, even in the womb, it's foreshadowing something that's going to stick with these brothers for a very long time. And one of the big things that comes out of this is that the children struggled together within her. Pretty remarkable. We'll see how that sticks with them. The second thing we notice here is that the older will serve the younger. Now that's a pretty big deal in Scripture. Uh, If you're reading this for the first time, this quick little comment in Scripture prepares you for a relationship that's going to be different than other relationships in Scripture. Typically, the firstborn male enjoyed special privileges uh, because of his order in the family. However, in this family, it's going to be different. The oldest son is going to serve the younger son. And the younger son is going to receive a bigger inheritance The younger son is going to be the leader uh, and receive a leadership role in the family. And you'll see how that plays out as we move forward too. So let's look at verses 24 through 26. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Let's keep reading. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat. Some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. If you're like me, you wonder, what's the big deal about a birthright? What's the big deal when he says, sell me your birthright now? You know, what's the big deal about that? Now, birthright has a lot to do with your birth order, the order in which you were born. And as you saw just a little bit ago, Esau was the firstborn son, and Jacob came after. Uh, The firstborn son would receive all responsibilities 
an authority in the family in the case that something happened to his father. And so the oldest son, that they called the birthright son, he was the leader of the family. If something happened to the father, he stepped in. He took care of his newly widowed mother. He takes care of any of his sisters who are not married. And he takes a leadership role in making decisions for the family. And if you read Deuteronomy 21.17, it also tells us that the, the oldest son, the birthright son, receives a double portion of inheritance than what the rest of the sons would receive. That means a double portion of all the wealth, all the livestock, the land, the money. A double portion. So the birthright was a big deal. So when Jacob asked Esau to sell him his birthright, it should have caused Esau to take a step back and say, wait, you're asking me to sell away a lot. Because think about what's happening here. Remember the promise that God made Abraham to make his nation great. That is a promise that continued in the lineage that would have came to Esau. So when Esau says, or when Jacob says, sell me your birthright, this promise is on the line. Who is God's promise going to be carried out through? Because at one point it was going to be Esau, but now Jacob's saying, sell me your birthright. And Jacob caught Esau in a moment of weakness. Look how Esau responds. I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? A birthright is useless to me because my life's about to end. And so I'm not ever going to experience this inheritance, this double portion, this leadership role in the family. So it's useless to me. I'll sell it off. Look at verses 33 and 34. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It's clear from reading these verses that Esau did not take his status as the firstborn son very seriously. Esau didn't take his status as in God's lineage and in God's promise very seriously as he should have. His birthright was linked to God's bigger picture that big picture that Joseph's been talking about, that upper story, Esau's birthright was linked to God's upper story and his plan of redemption for the entire world. But Esau was focused on the lower story. Esau was focused on his hunger and his, his personal comfort in that very moment. He wasn't focused on the upper story of God and how God was going to bring about redemption to all His people Hebrews 12, 15-17 says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral. Notice this description here. Or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing... He was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau, in Hebrews 12, is called unholy because of his actions in a lower story. 
because he forgot about the upper story. We cannot be people who are willing to sacrifice our entire part in God's plan of redemption just for a single moment of comfort, just for a single moment of enjoyment or entertainment. A single selfish moment cost Esau his entire reputation. And remember that even in a moment of weakness, God has a bigger plan for your life. If we can find a way to remember how to remain faithful in a lower story, it's going to mean a lot more in the upper story. And, and Jacob isn't necessarily right either. Notice how he takes advantage of his brother. How, it, how Esau was in a moment of weakness and Jacob chooses not to help him or not to offer him some food, but he chooses to take advantage of his brother in a moment of weakness. This interaction between the two brothers continues going. Uh, look over in Genesis chapter 27. We're going to jump over there now. Verses 1 through 4. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his older brother, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And pre prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now this takes place, we get some details. Isaac is old and his eyes are dim. So these two details are very important in, in the rest of this story uh, between Jacob and Esau. That he's old and his eyes are dim. Isaac, as many people do, as he's feeling old, he can't see very well. He starts to think about what's going to happen with his family when he leaves. As most people do. And so, these blessings or prayers that he's talking about giving to Esau were seen as shaping the future of the one who it's given to. This blessing or prayer that's given to Esau would be a, a statement on his future. So, if you're like me, I was forced to ask a question that I've never recognized when I've read this story until this time. I asked the question, did Isaac know about the words that God gave Rebekah just a few chapters earlier when he said, the older will serve the younger? Did Isaac know about those words? Now that's an interesting question. Because if Isaac did know about those words, then Isaac's being a little bit deceptive here, right? A lot of times we forget about Isaac's role in this story. It seems a little odd to me how quickly he's ready to, to give this blessing out. And notice that it even seems a little quiet about it, right? He catches his son and he says, hey, Take your weapons, your bow, and go hunt game. Prepare some delicious food and bring it to me that my soul may bless you before I die. Now something as big as a blessing seems like something that would be a big family event, right? Let's bring Rebecca in. Let's bring 
are all of our other sons in? Let's make sure that Jacob's here. And let's make this a big family event. I think about a big birthday party or something. That he's going to bless his son, but it's not like that. And so I wonder about uh, Isaac's role in this story. Now if you look at chapter 25, uh, verses 5-7 through seven that we read earlier. I mean 27, excuse me. 27. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now if you go back to chapter 25, you get a little bit of insight as to why these two parents are struggling with this. Because for one, it says when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So you got these two parents who are a little biased towards one son or the other. And Isaac wants to bless Esau, his skillful hunter son, but Rebekah, she remembers the words of the Lord and she wants to make sure Jacob gets his portion. Notice how much food plays a part in this story. Uh, back when Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob, it was food that caused him to stumble. You imagine him coming in and smelling that sweet aroma of food and selling off his birthright. And this time, when Jacob is getting ready, he goes in and he's going to offer his father Isaac some food. And her plan to make sure her favorite son is blessed is laid out in Scripture. Look at verses 9 and 10 of chapter 27. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. Now this seems like a valid fear to me. Mom, me and my brother are a lot different. Remember from the very time in her womb, he was a hairy man. Jacob is a smooth man. I'm going to go to my father. He's going to hear it in my voice. He's going to feel it on my skin. And he's going to know we're different. But Rebecca will not give up on this plan. And she agrees to continue on with this plan. So let's look at verses 18 through 21 as this plan continues to unfold. So he went into his father and said, My father. He said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Esau said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau 
or not. A key sentence in this section of Scripture is when Jacob says, I am Esau, your firstborn son. Now it's easy to say that this was Jacob's right. You know, he's justified to lie because, uh, you know, he was supposed to receive this blessing. But that doesn't excuse Jacob from being in direct violation of God's commands to not lie. And he was. He was in direct violation of God's commands. Jacob is not innocent in this story. In fact, it seems that none of these people are innocent, right? It seems like all of them have committed some kind of violation of God's law. Now, I think about the times in my childhood when I was being deceptive to my parents. Maybe you've all been there. And you wonder if Isaac could hear the lie in his voice. Because I know my parents, if I was telling a lie, they could hear it in my voice. And not only that, you know, the person who's lying, once you feel like your parents are on to you, maybe you start quivering a little bit, shaking a little bit, and that sweat starts going down your back and down your forehead. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Most of you have been there, even if you think you don't remember it. But I bet this is happening in this very story that Jacob walks in with this food and then Isaac even starts to call him out on it. And he starts to quiver. Maybe he starts to sweat a little bit. And even with all of Isaac's doubts, with all of his warning signs, his age and his dim sight become a part of the story. Look at verses 22 through 25. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice. More warning signs. The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother, Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, and Jacob lies again and says, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. The deception is complete. This huge plan of deception between Jacob and Rebekah while Esau's out hunting game. The, the deception is complete. However, the plan for Jacob to be the one who receives the blessing was put into play all the way back when Rebekah was having this, this child. And God said that the older would serve the younger. And so, obviously, this sets up Esau to be very upset when he returns back with his game. And even though this Jacob receiving God's blessing was part of God's plan the whole time, the way it came about is going to be pretty upsetting to Esau because it's just going to seem like it's not fair. So look at verses 30 through 35 and we'll get Esau's reaction. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. 
he also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, imagine the excitement. He's finally going to get his blessing. Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Isaac. I mean Esau, sorry. Then Isaac trembled very violently. He said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I've blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau clearly tries to play this off as though he's the victim here. But as we know, even though he feels cheated, we see that Esau played a part in losing his inheritance. And before we close this out, I want to look at some application to this story. It's easy to read these stories and forget that these stories apply to us. These stories are written for our instruction. These stories are written to help us. The first thing I want to remember is that just as their birthright gave them an inheritance, we have an inheritance through Jesus Christ. If you look at Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You must have citizenship in Christ. And through Christ, you have this inheritance. You have been promised an inheritance, just like Jacob was promised and blessed. You are promised an inheritance far beyond your understanding. Number two, your weaknesses do not disqualify you from having a relationship with Christ. I want to say that again. Your weaknesses do not disqualify you from having a relationship with Christ. It's easy to say things like, I've made too many mistakes. God will never forgive me. Or I've done too many bad things to God to ever receive an inheritance from Him. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Now these these Scriptures don't say anything about your weaknesses. These Scriptures don't say anything about the mistakes that you've made. No matter where you've been or what you've done, we have the opportunity, despite our weaknesses, 
to be empowered by the Spirit of Christ. And no matter what you've done, tonight you have a choice that you can make to be empowered by that Spirit. To go into the waters of baptism and take His Spirit on and be empowered in your weaknesses. That even though you make mistakes, just as Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebekah all made mistakes, that you can still be empowered by the Spirit of God. And so I challenge you tonight, if you need to be baptized, or if you need to renew your relationship with Christ and take Him on and say, I want to be empowered in my weaknesses, and I want to make a difference in the world. If you have that issue and you want to change that tonight, please come forward as we stand and sing.